Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 317, Joan Big Al spitball for Michael in South Dakota, who wants to make the most of his TSP, Donor Advised Fund, and Roth Conversion Retirement Strategy. David in the 65657 wants to know about calculating multi-year Roth conversions. And Paul has a very good question, too. Do you lose compound interest when doing Roth conversions? The fellas also offer their thoughts on closed-end funds and a variable annuity rescue plan for another Paul and for Kevin, respectively. And Dan wants to know about Social Security benefits when you're working versus not working. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. Uh, Michael from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, right? Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Wow. How do you find this? But do you think they don't have internet there? <laughs> That's not what I was saying. That's rude, Andy. <laughs> Sioux Falls is kind of... I like South Dakota. Wall drug. Wall drug? Yeah. That's what you know about South Dakota? I know that. I know the Badlands. Badlands. Mount Rushmore. Deadwood. Yeah. Yep. Calamity Jane and Wild Bill Hickok. Got it. Okay. Uh, Jack McCall, I believe was the name that killed... Bill Hickok, the oh. dead man's hand, aces and eights. Okay. Come on. What else? You know a lot. What about else it. you got? Uh, it's, it's cold <laughs> in the winter. That's what I get. Um, all right. To Joe. I like to Joe. Big Al in Andy. It's very proper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, greetings from the frozen plains of South Dakota. It must be winter as he wrote this question. I continue to love your podcast, but unfortunately, it is only a weekly event. I've tried many other podcasts, but most are like those boring instructors we had in school. Do you remember this? That's right, Michael. <laughs> We're not boring here. I drive a 2018 Ford F-150. Of course you do, Midwestern. Do not have any pets, and I'm horrible at writing limericks. <laughs> However, I have been hitting on Florida Schmitty's wife <laughs> while he's out delivering bread. Wow, that's a that's a long drive from oh, South I Dakota. Can, I continue to keep my garage refrigerator stocked with beverages, awaiting for your spontaneous drop in. This dude is awesome, <laughs> Michael. You gave me goosebumps. Look at him, Schmitty's wife on right. his delivery bread. Right. Schmitty, you better watch out with your new golf cart too. There, the, where's, right. where's he? Like I read something. Yeah, um, I forget this the town. It'll come to me. Yeah. It'll come to me. Um, the, it's like the, it's the oasis for retirees. There's like <laughs> 10 women to every guy. Oh, there you go. Right. Yeah, that's why Schmitty's delivering that's why bread. <laughs> he meets a lot of people down the, there. Uh, the, not the bridges. The, um, um, I don't remember. All right. Whatever. I'm uh, presently 64 and filed jointly. With my 62-year-old wife, retirement is about two and a half years from now. I have been government employed the past three and a half years, thus having FERS, Federal Employment uh, Retirement System, coming in a TSP. I contribute about $40,000 per year to the TSP, includes match, and hope to have $250,000 in the TSP by retirement. That is Thrift thrift Savings Plan. Yep. Uh, My Federal Employment Retirement will contribute about $1,000 a month which will cover insurances. Our annual income is $250,000. And as of now, I look to our retirement needs of $160,000 per year, most likely overestimated. 
Our savings are 60 grand. IRAs, 2.2 million. Raw, 300,000. I'm presently maxing out $24,000 bracket with Roth conversion, which is about $100,000 annually. I plan on delaying Social Security till 70, which will provide $4,000 a month. We will have some land. Oh, he's got some raw land providing $1,000 a month. Our only debt is our home at $120,000 with uh, 2.5% interest rate. All right. You got all that, Al? Yeah, got it. So he's got two, um, 2.234, call it 2.8. No, he's got about 2. 2.8. Yeah, 2.8. I call guess it, when, when you add the, you're adding the future TSP, call, yeah. call it 3 million. We'll round it to three. All right. Easy, man. Good enough. And then he's going to have um, 120, so roughly about $130,000 of fix, fixed income. Uh, $1,000 a month there, $48,000 or uh, $52,000 in Social Security, uh, plus $60,000 of um, pension. So right. he's he's flush there. So pretty, he, pretty needs, shape. he needs roughly, let's call it $30,000, $40,000 from the portfolio. Right. Back of the envelope sure. spitball in here. Yep. Which is uh, no problem. Yeah. $3 million. Yeah. What's that percentage? <laughs> uh, that's one percent about one and a half got it thank you <laughs> all right so he's got some questions michael does. okay all right um using a donor advised fund i plan on using ira monies for this so when it comes out of an ira is it income to me and then i get a deduction on my taxes that's basically no charge and what my taxable income is like if i take forty thousand dollars out of an ira is it basically a wash other than $40,000 less in my IRA account, does the amount affect the amount I can convert to Roth? So let's answer that. So you cannot put IRA dollars directly into a donor advised fund. You would have to take a distribution. So the $40,000 comes out as income. That's right. And then you place it in the donor advised fund and then you get a tax deduction. That's right. So I would say, Michael, if you already are itemizing your deduction, uh, what you're saying is basically true. There's $40,000 of income on the IRA. There's $40,000 of additional deduction, right? Because you're itemizing your deduction. Your taxable income will be the same. Your adjusted gross income will be a little bit different. So you may be subject to more limitations. Maybe more of Social Security would be taxable, although you're not receiving it right now. So, but here's the problem, Joe, is a lot of people that right now the married uh, standard deduction is call it 25,000, roughly $25,000. And you're limited to $10,000 in property taxes and state taxes. So for folks that uh, have a, a, in this case, he's got a mortgage of 120,000, you know, call it 3%, let's, let's say three or $4,000 a year, something like that, 10,000 in taxes. And let's say he's contributing another couple thousand dollars in, in contributions right now. So if you just take those numbers, that's about, call it 15,000, just to make the he's, math easy. he's using the standard deduction is what you're using, saying. Using the standard deduction. By the time you do the $40,000 um, IRA money into donor advice fund, the, from 15,000 of what you're currently itemizing to $25,000, that just basically gets you to where you start itemizing. So the first 10,000 is wasted, is, is my point. So it doesn't always work out as nicely as you'd want to. And because of that, what some people do, if, 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 you, if you like this strategy, is maybe instead of $40,000, they do a much bigger number 
to, to really take advantage of it, do a big Roth conversion in that year. And then you don't do donor advice funds in other years because you, you're probably going to itemize or, yeah, but, I'm, I'm standard deduction. But the problem is, is that he wants to use his retirement money to do this. So let's say if you do a $100,000 donor advice fund, you're pulling $100,000 from your retirement account. It's going to show up as your adjusted gross income. Yeah. Right. Is. So that's going to be the wash. You're not going to be able to do the, a, a large enough conversion because the, the, the deduction is basically wiping out the hundred thousand dollar distribution to put in the donor advised fund and then you want to do a conversion on top of that i don't think the math works well yeah it does because a hundred thousand dollar convert so you hundred thousand dollar in a donor advised fund but you only get to deduct 90 let's let's say because you're filling up your standard deduction you have a hundred thousand of income you got ninety thousand dollars of deduction right so yeah you didn't get dollar for dollar but you got a lot of it so maybe you could convert ninety thousand and be in the same spot Here's what I do, Michael. Wait till you're 70 and then do a QCD. Yeah. Right. That, that, so then you just take it directly from your retirement account to a qualifying charity. It doesn't show up on your tax return. Then you can do conversions. It doesn't mess up with your AGI or anything like that. If you want to give to charity, please give to charity. But if you want to do a larger donor advised fund, just kind of play with tax deductions, uh, wait till 70 and then you can do a, a, a qualified charitable uh, distribution. Um, also, is there any advantage of keeping my TSP in retirement um, or would there be preference to transferring it to an IRA once retired? Uh, me personally, I would transfer it into my IRA just for convenience that I only have one IRA. Uh, the TSP is probably a heck of a lot cheaper um, in regards to, I, I don't know what what funds that you have. Um, TSP is less, um, I, I think the IRA you have a little bit more flexibility, but the TSP is a great plan. So um, that's a personal preference there. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks so much. And let me know if you're running short on bread or Coors Light. Dude, this guy's hilarious. Yes. I want Michael to write in every week. <laughs> this guy is awesome. Thank you very much, Michael. You made my day. I want to say sorry to Schmitty, who delivers bread in Florida from episode 309, and Smitty in his golf cart in the villages from just about every other episode. Joe got y'all confused, but Michael didn't. Anyway, learn more about donor-advised funds, QCDs, and other tax-efficient charitable giving strategies. Watch the YMYW TV episode, Charitable Giving That Gives Back. And before you file your 2020 taxes, download the 2021 Tax Planning Guide from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go straight there. In the show notes, you'll also find the transcript of today's episode and a big banner that says Ask Joe and Al on air. You know what to do. Uh, let's go with Paul from Minneapolis. Uh, we got, hi, Andy, Joe and Al. Love your podcast. Drive a 2014 Jeep Grand Cherokee, and I don't own a dog. Unfortunately, I'm a lifelong and diehard Minnesota Viking fan. Joe can relate, I'm sure. I'm 62 and married. Uh, my wife and I both have been retired for three years. I have $60,000 a year pension, $450,000 in a Roth IRA, and $600,000 in a traditional IRA. I plan to wait until 70 to collect Social Security. I have aggressively, aggressively done Roth conversions over the last three years. I have a general question. All right. I have been considering investing in closed-end funds. CEFs. Yes, for sure. Yes, I like it. <laughs> um, which may pay dividends ranging 
from 6 to 10% a year. Many pay the dividends monthly, which would be a good source of monthly income to bridge the gap until Social Security kicks in. I've never heard you discuss CEFs, closed-end funds, in your podcast. I'm wondering what your opinion is here on these. Thanks and go bikes. All right, Paul. Yeah, what's your opinion on these? Okay, no. Well, what is it, first of all? Closed-end fund. Well, let's first explain a mutual fund. Okay. Mutual fund is an open-ended fund. Okay. So um, a mutual fund manager purchases, oh man, we don't, we're going to blow up the clock on this. All right. We'll just do a short segment after. Okay. Um, Mutual fund, right. A mutual fund manager buys stocks. Yeah. Right. And then when you buy stocks or bonds, you know, a whole mix of diversified portfolio within the mutual fund. And then when you buy into that mutual fund, you're buying shares of the overall fund. Yeah, which owns a bunch of other stocks you got or, or bonds, whatever. Right. Yep. A closed-in fund is that you have a strategy that's closed, right? So it trades. The, the, the fund, You're not buying the stocks inside the overall fund. You're, it's closed. So the manager can do a lot of unique things within the fund. So they can put options on it. They can put leverage on it. They could do all sorts of things within the fund because the fund then just trades on the um, on the exchanges because there's not new money going in or out. It's so, so they know what they have. So they've got the ability to do whatever they want to, to do, do with these, it. some of these other strategies, which can be more risky. A lot of times they are more risky, <laughs> which is why they can, they can pay more. Absolutely. And you could lose more too. Yes. And so, no, uh, we're fans of all different types of investments, but you just have to understand what you're getting into. So Paul here, I reached out to Paul because he's from Minneapolis. Yeah. All my Minneapolis people, I'll reach out personally. Oh, very good. And um, I said, hey, Paul, why don't you um, help me out here? What are you looking at? Like, you want to buy something that's 10%? Let me do some little research for you. Yeah. Okay. So he sends me like three ticker symbols. Okay. Okay. Or maybe it was a little bit more than that. Okay. But I only spent, I mean, he might've gave me six, but I only looked up three. Okay. Right. Cause it's free. Sure. <laughs> what, and what'd you find? So the three that he looked at that were paying 10%, um, you looked at the underlying asset. What do you think they were? Hmm. Well, let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to say they were, they were stocks, but there were options and leverage in there. Cause we have be my guess. Uh, good guess. Um, they were high yield bonds. Okay. okay. Um, it, you're a 2008 Alan. Yes. Okay. Credit default swaps. Yes. Remember those? Oh yeah. Yeah. Derivatives, <laughs> all that stuff. None of us knew what was. Yes. They're, I mean, they're paying a <laughs> Exactly. So they are paying 10%, but they're extremely volatile and they're extremely risky. So when you, anytime you see 10% dividend, I'm not saying it's fake. Of course. I mean, they're paying it. It's a good, um, investment company that's offering these, but you just have to take a little bit deeper dive. Why would it be paying 10%? Okay. If I have sub subprime loans, right? So if I have a subprime loan that I'm purchasing, what does that mean? The interest rate is already high because someone that purchased that loan, right? They couldn't get a normal loan. They couldn't get get 2% that they're given now. Right. You know, they're, they're paying 8%, right? Yeah. There's a reason why they have to pay that much interest. Exactly. It could be like a jet ski loan (laughs) from an 18 year old, right? So they bundle all this stuff together. And so already the interest is fairly high and then you add leverage to it. Right. So, So, So now you control more with less money. Exactly. Which can work both ways. Just like real estate. When you own real estate and you have a loan on it, 
if it goes down, you lose a lot more because it's it's related to your down payment. Exactly. Usually closed-end funds will have options on them as well, puts, calls. Um, they'll use leverage. But let me just illustrate leverage real quickly. Okay, that'd be helpful. So let's say you have a million dollars and that million dollars generates 7%. And so that's $70,000 of income. Okay. Okay. But then you're like, you know what? I'm pretty good. That's 7%. I can continue to get that 7%. So let's get some leverage going. Okay. So then you leverage and you take out a $400,000 note. Okay. Okay. 40% leverage. Okay. So now I'm investing not a million dollars, Alan. I'm investing $1.4 million. Oh, so that I got that million bucks, but I bought a million point four of stock because I borrowed 400. Exactly. Got it. So then if I get that same 7%, that's close to a hundred thousand. That's $98,000. Yeah. So now that feels like 10%. So you divide that into the million, which is my principal is 10% rate of return roughly. Got it. But then you got to take out the cost of leverage and, you know, these big funds, their cost is pretty minimal. Sure. Um, And they probably hedge their cost by selling shares for, to the short sellers and things like that to cover that kind of cost. Yeah. So it could net out to, let's say, not 10%, but close to 9 8.5%. Right. But it's still a lot higher than 7 Sure. Right? Yeah. So that's leverage. But how about if it goes down 7%? Okay. So now it's worth, a, call it 900000 Well, I guess your 1.4 at that point is now worth, let's call it 1.2. It's a little more than that, but 1.2. Right. So it works the, the same exact way on the other side of the equation. So now you lost 200,000 on your million dollar investment. So, so it went down 7%, but you lost 20 and i the numbers are wrong, but you get the concept, right? It magnifies your gain and magnifies your loss. Yes. So um, when markets are good, leverage is great, right? It's like, well, the real estate boom, everyone, you know, was getting these liar loans and then, sure. you know, what the big short you, you have these, um, very respectable individuals that um, they work in a dark place with poles. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but buying like, you know, 15 different homes. Right. You know, uh, the Domino's pizza guy is, is buying a million dollar home. Sure. Right. Because of the leverage as markets go up, leverage is great because you only have to put a little bit down and all of a sudden the, the valuation of that asset is increasing and you only have a little bit of skin in the game. Right. But then also when that market turns on you, you just you just have to understand what you're buying, I guess. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Some of these closed-end funds, I mean, it's not just dividends. It's it's capital gains. In some cases, even return of capital. So just look and see what you're getting in terms of that payout. Right. Because they're not going to read the fine print. Right. They're going to say 10%. 10% sounds good. Yeah. But how about if that's, like you said, return of principal? Yeah. Well, well you're just getting your own money back. That here. doesn't. That's not income. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get 10%. <laughs> We, we made 2%, but we gave you 8% of your money back. Right. All right. Kevin writes in from Invergrove Heights. You know where that is, Al? I do not. That's in the good state of Minnesota. Really? No, oh, yeah. I've been to Invergrove Heights many, many times. What's the <clears> distinguishing <throat> feature? I have no idea. <laughs> Trees. <laughs> Apparently, there's no beer there. <laughs> no, there's plenty of beer. Cold in the oh, winter? Okay. Yeah. It's like a suburb outside of... Uh, Minneapolis. Okay. Or St. Paul. It's kind of in the middle there. Yeah. All right. Uh, big fan of the show. Past year was a wild ride. Pandemic scare, the Minneapolis St. Paul writing and sudden early retirement package. Side note, got a call in June from Minnesota IRS investigators about a townhouse that I rented a few years ago from a jailed Minneapolis police officer asking about how I got paid. Wow. Wow. A little investigation going on. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, we got a call from the IRS. 
on on some some sort of criminal investigation? Never. Yeah, me neither. But I don't think the IRS calls you. Well, maybe I think the IRS. This isn't it, like not well, not what we think of the IRS, but mm. the IRS probably does have investigators that help other departments, I Department wonder, of Justice. I wonder um, who he was renting his place to. Yeah, Ooh. that'd be interesting. Uh, <laughs> all right, just retired. In July, at age 62, rolled over my 401k uh, to an IRA, 800000 Roth, 500000 Brokerage, 500000 uh, Cash, 100000 uh, Now collecting $2,400 a month pension, holding off Social Security to 68. How would I work into the drawdown phase of a variable annuity of $450,000? $250,000 is principal. I bought this in 07 from a family advisor that handled my mother's finances. I inherited and suggested it to me. Oh, he was a New York life insurance agent disguised as a financial advisor. <laughs> okay. All right. He also tried to sell me some magic beans, but I was smart enough for that, but too stupid to understand about annuities. Several years ago, I heard from Ken Fisher say on one of his commercials that he would die and rot in hell. Before he sold someone an annuity, I thought, uh oh, I have one. Um, I did some digging and I found out that it was a pretty pricey type of investment that I really didn't need. 2017 was the year that I took my finances seriously and started to educate myself about fees and taxes by hitting the internet and taking control of my money. All right, Kevin. Well, good for you. Um, you've done a great job of accumulating some wealth here. Um, so he's looking at, all right, well, what do I do with this variable annuity? Sure. $450,000, $250,000 of it is uh, principal. So how variable annuities work in regards to taxation is that it's um, first, last in, first out. So what that means is that the principal comes out last and the earnings come out first. So if you just take a lump sum, it's going to be all taxable until that $200,000 gain is gone. Correct. So he's got $200,000 roughly of gain. So if he takes $200,000 out, it's all taxed at ordinary income. Right. The other $200,000 is tax-free. So you you want to treat this, Kevin, just like a, an IRA. Or, or First off, what I would do, I would shop different variable annuities. There's a lot of very inexpensive variable annuities that you can now roll your money into without the high fees and cost and everything else. It's a, like a variable annuity rescue is what we call it. Um, so there's there's products out there that are very inexpensive, but still you're in the product. So the taxation is 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 what's the issue now. Yeah, because if you just if you surrender right now, you got a two hundred thousand dollar ordinary income gain. So that's that's no fun. Right. So but he can ten thirty one exchange. 1035. 1035. 1031 is real estate. Yes, right. 1035 exchange uh, that annuity into a low cost priced annuity, which I would highly recommend that he do first. And then look at a strategy to say, all right, well, what's my tax bracket? And then slowly start bleeding those out, you know, depending on what tax bracket that he's in. Yeah. So if he's in the 12% tax bracket, it's just like a conversion strategy, right? We would convert IRAs or retirement accounts, let's say to the top of the 12 or the 22% tax bracket to get it out of the retirement account into the Roth. In this case, it's a non-qualified variable annuity. So I would just look at your tax bracket and then start bleeding these dollars out up to a certain tax bracket that you feel comfortable paying tax on. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Or you could annuitize it and then roughly half of your payment is taxable and half is not. But you want to first get into probably a better annuity that's lower cost. Yeah, really good point now that he could annuitize the contract. And then let's say it's a thousand bucks a month, hypothetically, sure. of course, right. right? 500 would be tax free. 500 would be what's well, not exact, but whatever the, the, the pro rata is yeah, within it, the annuity. It's roughly half. Thank yeah. you. You only have until this Friday to get a free copy of the book, Ignore the Hype, Financial Strategies Beyond the Media-Driven Mayhem, written by our Executive Vice President and Director of Research at Pure Financial Advisors, Brian Perry, CFP, CFA. Ignore the Hype will teach you how to keep your focus squarely on time-tested strategies for meeting your financial goals without getting distracted by the constant barrage of news headlines. Learn the difference between short-term trading and long-term investing and how to build a foundation for investment success based on common sense and academic research. Stock is limited, and the book is only available on a first-come, first-served basis. So click the special offer button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com right now and request your copy. If the special offer doesn't say ignore the hype, you waited too long and we sold out. Click special offer at yourmoneyyourwealth.com now. David writes in. I don't know what the numbers represent, Andy. That's his zip code. He actually listed his zip code as, as the place he was from. And oh. no, I didn't look it up. Yeah, he did. But he does say at the very bottom that he's got the ugliest cat in the Ozarks. So apparently his zip code is someplace in the Ozarks. David, 65657. Uh, dear Andy, Big Al, and Jim. Oh, I knew this guy was a... <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a multi-year Roth conversion on $500,000 IRA. I need to know the optimal amount to convert. The host of a competing podcast advised me to convert the maximum possible while staying in the 0% tax bracket. This amount usually equals the standard deduction. While doing this, the IRA increased from 450 to 510, and it looks like a tax time bomb is developing. Could you tell me a sweet spot for my Roth conversion or recommended software that calculates multi-year Roth conversions? I'm 64. My only income is $17,000 of Social Security, no dependents. I am a minimalist living in the Ozarks where the cost of living is low. My total spending last year was 12 grand. I think Alan spent 12 grand this morning. (laughs) I have other funds and could afford to make a much larger conversion, even on the top of the 12% tax bracket or higher. If that would be the optimal long-term strategy, I will always be in a low tax bracket, but my heirs marginal tax bracket is 22% or higher. I drive a 2005 Honda accent in feed to feral, 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 feral. What the hell's feral cat? Wild, wild, stray. Thank you. Non-domesticated. All right. One of which is the ugliest cat in the Ozarks. All right. So David, 65657, is hanging out with ugly, <laughs> ugliest cats in the Ozarks. It's it like $2 a day. Right. Uh, okay. So his only income is 17000 bucks. What does he do, Al? I would say convert to the top of the 12% tax bracket. And I don't know what competing podcast that you're listening to, but 12% is pretty cheap. You could... His RMDs are not going to be that much, but he, he, if, he, if his income is 17,000, he's 62 years old and he's got a half a million bucks in the retirement account. If he doesn't do anything with the money until he turns 72, 10 years, 
um, it could double, right? So now he's got a million bucks. Yeah, we could. And his requ- uh, required distribution at that point will be roughly forty grand. Right. So if I look at forty thousand plus seventeen thousand, that's yeah. fifty-seven. Minus, let's say the standard deduction will be, I don't know, call it twenty. Yeah. Well, we don't know. In if ten he's years, single or not? Probably single. Well, it's David six five six five seven. Come on, dude. he hangs out with ugly ass cats. <laughs> okay, I'll go with that. Let's single. <laughs> so right, yeah, call it call it fifteen grand. What we'll say the taxable social security be fifteen. Forty plus fifteen is forty is fifty five minus fifteen. So forty forty thousand dollars is the taxable income, which right now is the top of the twelve percent bracket, yep. which will become fifteen. In 2026. So it seems to me at the 12% bracket, it's actually a pretty good deal. So hopefully you caught that, David. You just want to look at if you, he doesn't need the money. If you just let it grow um, in 10 years, let's say it doubles, depending on, of course, how it's invested. Um, we're just using the rule of 72 here. So now it's a million dollars. Roughly your required distribution is 4% of that. Yeah. So roughly. that's 40,000. That is mandatory that you have to distribute out of the plan. Plus your social security or half of your social security will be taxed or 85% of yeah, it. Yeah. Probably 85. And but, then you can take out the standard deduction to, to kind of guesstimate where your tax bracket's going to be. Yeah. That, that's really the way to think about this is what's it going to be when I hit age 72, that helps you decide what tax bracket to convert right now. The tricky part about this, Joe, is the 17,000 that he's receiving actually SSDI is tax social security disability income. It's tax Tax free. Well, it's tax free currently because there's not enough income, but when you add a Roth conversion, then up to half or even up to 85% of that's taxable. So you kind of have to maybe run some projections. If you really want to get this right, David, me being a CPA, being an accountant, I I would go buy TurboTax and, and, and look at how much tax at different levels and play around with it because what you're, and then when you, when you figure out how much tax you're paying, divide that into the amount of the Roth conversion to figure out your effective rate. Right. Because if he, if he converts to the top of the 12% tax bracket, his tax rate's not 12%. It's going to be higher isn't it? Be- right. because it, he's going to have more income. That's all of a sudden now taxable. Exactly. So that's, that's the hard part about this. So that's probably why the compete. We don't have competition here. First day. <laughs> we just have a chat show. Yeah. I mean, they're probably way better than us. I mean, probably. we're on the bottom of the barrel. So, well, thank you for saying that we're competing with someone else. Yeah. That's probably why they said, just go to the standard deduction because they, they didn't want to get in all the minutia that you just did. Yeah, exactly. Right. They were, I'll just go to the yeah. top of the standard deduction. But that's what, that's what I, if I was wanting to do this, right, that's what I would do. I would, I would buy TurboTax and play around with this and, and see what the different levels come out to. You probably don't want to convert in the 22% bracket because you're not going to be in that bracket anyway. So I, I wouldn't do that. Um, so 12% bracket or lower. Right. Yeah, without question. But the 12%, when he gets his tax bill, he's going to be like, well, I thought those guys said I'm going to pay 12%. But no, every dollar that you add of taxable income, it makes $1 or, you know, added to tax of your social security that is currently tax free, depending on where you fall in those thresholds. Yeah, that's right. Because when you don't make any other income, the social security is generally 100% tax free. But as you have other income, 
in some cases, half of it's taxable. In other cases, 85% is taxable. So when in, in, when you get to a certain level, you add another dollar Roth conversion, all of a sudden, whoops, now I'm going to add another 50% of Social Security, which now is taxable. That's why this is tricky. That, that's why if you really want to do this right, you get some, you get maybe some software, maybe TurboTax or some related uh, software and just just play around with it. Right. But, you, don't, but don't, don't go into the 22% bracket. You don't need to. Yeah. Have fun with your feral cats, feral. David. Feral. Feral? Feral. Feral. Like Will Feral? Yes. Got it. Yeah, he's feral. <laughs> he's definitely feral. All right. We got Ed writes in. I sold a big stake in one of my stocks in 2020 for an $80,000 loss. I had no other gains or losses in 2020. I plan on using 3000 towards ordinary income in my 2021 tax return. If I sell another stock in 2021, for a big gain, let's say $65,000, can I apply what's left of my $80,000 loss for my 2020 against the $65,000 gain? Thank you. The answer is yes. Very simply. So when you have a capital loss, then the IRS allows you to use that loss against any other capital gain. And once you've done that, in this case, there are no gains for 2020, you get to take $3,000 against ordinary income. You carry over a $77,000 loss, Ed, and that whole loss is available towards 2021 capital gains. So you get the, you get the answer that you want, which is why we talk about a concept called tax loss harvesting, which is when you have a, a loss position, go ahead and sell it, buy something similar so you're still in the market, create that loss because you never lose it. It carries forward for the rest of your life. And you at least get to take $3,000 deduction against ordinary income. And you get to take dollar for dollar against any future capital gains in any future year until it's all used up. So it's a good deal. Very good. Thanks, Ed. Um, just FYI, we like to know where you're riding from. Kind of failed. <laughs> follow directions. We don't know the car. We don't know the Nothing. dog's name. Yeah. If he's got, what are they called? Feral? Feral cats. Feral, feral cats. Yeah, right. You never uh, heard that term? Never. Okay. Never. It's used yeah, pretty commonly something. in Australia to actually refer to humans as being feral. <laughs> well, that sounds right. See, I learned just as much on this show. <laughs> as it's, we all do. It's a give and take. It's a yeah, give and take. You're right. We all, we all learn on this show. Uh, not much, but we do learn. Uh, Paul from Orange County writes in. Hello, Joe Al, and Andy. Got a Roth conversion question for you. Okay, I can set your excitement all the way from OC. I'm 47 years old, uh, earning about $55,000 a year. After expenses deductions, I normally end up in the 12% tax bracket. Thank God for my Prius that gets 57 miles to the gallon. 57 miles to the gallon. That's pretty good. Um, I, do, I guess I don't ever you know. Your check? I, no. <laughs> Doesn't your car tell you? Miles per gallon. You've got one of those new cars with all the bells and whistles, right? No. It's one of you just push the button I on, don't the, know what on the button dash, and that'll tell you. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. <laughs> I don't push any buttons, Al. I, My, the only button I push is start. Got it. Mine is about 23. Ooh. Gas, gas guzzler. It's not a, well, it's not 15, but it's not 57. <sighs> all right. Um, I'm in the beginning years of gradual Roth conversions. Currently, I've got $390,000 in my rollover IRA and about $50,000 converted to a Roth. Is there any advantage in keeping at least some cash in the traditional IRA? Or is it recommended that I just keep converting gradually, say $15,000, $20,000 per year until it's all sitting in the Roth for when I retire in my 60s? 
Am I losing any compound interest dollars by doing this? Thank you all for the great information. I've been learning a ton. Really interesting point. Yeah. So what he's saying is that, all right, if I do the conversion, am I losing compound interest, right? Because maybe it's a lower balance because he had to pay some cash on it. Sure. Some tax. Right. Yeah. What did I say? Cash. Yeah. Well, taxes. You, with you, cash. <laughs> <laughs> you pay your tax with cash. Okay. Um, so let's say if I have a hundred thousand dollars and I convert and now I only have, let's say $80,000 because it cost me $20,000 in tax yeah. to, to do the conversion. Am I losing money here? Am I, is the compounding effect? Am I hurting myself by doing this? Sure. This is a, a, a fairly common question. I think we get sometimes, right? What's the answer? Well, the answer that's the straight mathematical answer, although you you've got intangibles to add to it. The straight math, mathematical answer is if you're in the same tax bracket today that you're going to be in retirement, it's same, same. The numbers work out the same. Yeah, you've got a lower balance and less to grow, but you don't have to pay tax on it. So when you do the math, it works out exactly the same. So if, if you end up converting in a higher tax bracket than you will be in retirement, then I would I would concur. You might be, you might be hurting yourself in the long term but there's other intangibles such as when you don't convert, you have more dollars, right? And, and you, 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 you just, the, the thing is the, the tax savings, you, you, you generally end up spending anyway. So you kind of can end up in a, in a worse position. That's kind of one of the intangibles to go along with. Well, this is what people have to realize. They have to take a look at their retirement accounts after tax, but they never do that. Yeah. Right. So, um, he's saying, Hey, I have $400,000 in my IRA. If I convert that, right. But he doesn't have $400,000. Yeah. It's after tax. Let's call it 300. Yeah. Whatever the number is, because he's going to have to pay tax on those dollars. Regardless, it says $400,000 on your statement today, but you cannot spend $400,000. Right. Is the point. Because you have to pay tax on that. And let's say, yeah, it's a hundred thousand dollars embedded tax that you just don't see. But then he's like, well, I'm not paying tax on that. So that embedded tax is growing for me. Sure. So, but the longer it grows, you're still going to have to pay tax on those dollars. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And and I think if you, if another way to think about this is, is if by doing a Roth conversion today, you're in the 22% bracket, and you're going to be in the 12% or even zero bracket, then you don't pay, do it. You pay too much tax in the 22 to avoid paying basically a 12% bracket later. See that that's the calculation. This is why it's important that we tell people you don't have to convert hundred percent of your balance. In fact, that's probably not the right answer for most people. When you, when you count social security, that makes it more complicated and we won't even really get into that, but, but just the, just simplicity is if you're in a higher bracket today, then you're going to be in retirement Then think carefully about over converting. So I, I want to do this. We, we haven't, we haven't done this calculation in a while. Real simple. Um, Cause I want to help Paul out. Yeah. Let's say, Paul, just to make the because you already made fun of my math skills, I'm going to keep the math really easy. <laughs> okay. So let's say that I have a hundred thousand dollars and I'm in the 25% tax bracket. Okay. Okay. And that hundred thousand dollars is in a retirement account. And I pull the hundred thousand dollars out of the retirement account. I have to pay 
percent of tax or $25,000 in tax. So I'm left with 75,000. Sure. That's my real money there. Right. Yep. That's what I can spend. Yeah. That's my net dollar. Yeah. So let's say I convert that hundred thousand dollars and I move it into my Roth IRA. Okay. And I have to pay that 25% in tax. Right. Yep. So what do I have in my Roth? 75,000 bucks. Yep. So it's same, same. Right. But now the Roth is going to grow 100% tax free. Sure. But they're saying, well, wouldn't $100,000 grow faster? And aren't I losing compound interest because I have $100,000 over here versus the $75,000 over here? Sure. I get it. Yeah. So let's not convert. Right. So that $100,000 grows and it doubles. Okay. Okay. So now I have $200,000. Sure. Right. So that's one poll. And then now I take the $200,000 out. I pay 25% in tax. What do I pay in tax? Yeah, 50,000. So my net is 150. Sure. So this is boring to you, isn't yeah, it, Alan? It is, but it's, that's because I've heard this a million times. <laughs> but <laughs> if I have $75,000, I did the conversion. I convert that, right? Now I have 75. That doubles. What do I have? 150. 150. It's same, the same same. 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 I don't lose any compound interest whatsoever because of the taxes. The, the IRS wants you to keep it in the retirement account because then they get more tax. Right. Instead of them getting $25,000 in tax, what did they get? They got $50,000 in tax. Right. But if my money's now sitting in a Roth IRA, how much more flexibility do I have? If tax rates go sky high, if I want to take a lot more money out because I want to, you know, go on vacation and go buy a new Prius or whatever that I want to do, I'm not going to be stuck. I'm taking the uncertainty of taxes out the window. Yeah, it's true. And the, and the key to that example is the tax rate is the same at the beginning versus the end. So this is what we're talking about. If your tax rate's higher now than it's going to be in retirement, then think twice about Roth conversions. If it's going to be the same, well, you end up in the same place, but you got more flexibility. If it's going to be lower, uh, I'm sorry, if your tax rate is going to be higher in retirement, then I'd be converting all day to try to try to equalize that out. All right. Thanks a lot for uh, the question. We got uh, he Dan writes in. Hi, I've been watching and listening to you guys. I have a question. Uh, the projected monthly payments go about 6% per year from 62 to 67, and then 8% from 68 to 70. I think he's referring to Social Security. Here yeah, now. that's what it would sound like. Uh, but I think that assumes I continue to work until I begin withdrawing. If I stop working and stop contributing to Social Security at age 62, would my projected payments still be increased at those same rates? I think I can figure it out with the Social Security website, but that will take me a while to plug in all the information. I was and hoping to get a quick answer from you guys. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, we might have an answer, right? We might. I don't know. It, I would probably just go to Social Security. It's probably a better answer. <laughs> He's waited long enough for the answer. He could have gone. He like, could have walked there. Well, I, I know. He like he wrote in in like 1999. <laughs> We're finally getting to it. Yeah, <laughs> We're a couple of decades behind. <laughs> He's uh, been receiving Social Security for 15 years at this point. Yeah, exactly. 
Anyway, Dan, so the way the way this works, so full retirement age right now, depending upon what year you were born, is going from age 66 to 67. So so from age 62, which is the first age that you can receive your benefits all the way to let's just say your full retirement age is age 67, it it does increase. I think it's a little bit more than 6%, but roughly 6% per year. And then after that, it's 8% a year from full retirement age to 70. Uh, so what happens is if you stop working, then your benefits stop accruing and, and you won't necessarily receive what's on your social security statement because it presumes you're going to be working till a full retirement age, which is let's call it age 67. But the truth is, if you stop at 62, whatever that benefit is at that time, that will grow 6%. It's just not what's on your statement. Well, another way to say it is that if you take it at 62, you're just taking a permanent haircut. Up. You, you're, if your full retirement age is 66, you take it at 62, it's a 25% reduction of benefit. Right. Right? Yeah. So that's how you have to look at it. It's a reduction of benefit. And then once you reach full retirement age, then you receive a, de- a delayed retirement credit. I think what his answer is, or what his question is, is that let's say, because they take a look at 40 years of work history, right? So when you look at your statement, right, they're going to say, here's 40 years of work history. And so I'm not sure how old Dan is. Let's say Dan's 50. Right. And he doesn't have 40 years of work history. So there's, they're going to assume that Dan is going to continue to work, right? But I don't know if they calculate it to full retirement age or to age 60. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure they've calculated full retirement age on the statement. Okay, well, that's we're, we're, we're close. It's, I mean, your statement is not going to be exact. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, what, I'm, what, what I think the question is, is if I stop at 62 working, and I don't take social security, will it still grow at 6%? And the answer is yes. Whatever your benefit was, uh, and, and you know, you, you kind of said it the other way. If you wait till 67, you'll you get, get your full benefit. You get roughly 25% more, a little bit more than that now since full retirement age is 67. But you get your full benefit at full retirement age. You get a reduced benefit at 62, whether you're still working or not. So if he takes it, okay, we could go in the weeds on this now. If he takes it at 62 <laughs> and he's still working, then he's going to receive a reduction in yeah. the overall payment, depending on how much income that he makes. That's true. So you don't want to make the, you don't want to take your benefit at 62 if you're making more than roughly what? $30,000. Yeah. But the point is whenever you stop working and whatever that benefit is, and, and if you are reach age 62 and you don't take it at that point, it will continue to grow into the next year. So you look 6%. at it, so, but your, your understanding is this, I'm going to retire Alan at 46 years old. Right. And I'm not going to work anymore. I'm looking at my social security statements today. Yes. Right. You're assuming that on the statement that social security is assuming that I'm going to work at that same level of income until age 67. Yeah. That's what it says on the statement. Look is, at your statement. Is it 67 or is it 60? It's, it's your, whatever your full retirement age. I'll have to pull that out the break. Well, sure. I mean, you're the one that's collecting Social Security. I have like 25 years uh, until I collect. Let me, let me clarify. I'm not collecting Social Security, but I am eligible. <laughs> Put it that way. Uh, Dan, we, we, yeah, you should have went to the Social Security. You should have. <laughs> Actually, just... I aced the answer. Just listen to my answer. Oh, all right. <laughs> Show's called Your Money Your Money. 
Stick around for the feral derails at the end of the episode. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call. It does not matter where you are in the country, and chances are one of the certified financial planners at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. I mean, you're, you're a stickler with the numbers, dude. Yeah, I mean, you're busting, you're busting me already twice. You just well, when you started. get out a calculator to calculate 70,000 into 1.3, I think we know it's about 5%. It's going to be a long day. David, 65657. It's like 92130. Right. Like 90210. Oh, that, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. How are you doing, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> wow, this went in a weird direction. Uh, no, I was a big I'm Luke, a... Luke guy, but yeah, you know, God uh, rest his soul. <laughs> it was devastating. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. too soon. No, yeah. way too soon. Yeah. Um, you think David like goes to the clubs? and says, "What's your name?" My name is David. Six five six five seven. I'm from the Ozarks. How you doing? <laughs> You want to go on my boat with my cat? <laughs> and David may not be going to the clubs if he's spending twelve grand a year. <laughs> he's just he's just hanging out in the swamp. <laughs> Gets his entertainment watching yes. alligators. Yes, I I don't know if there's alligators in the Ozarks, is there? Well, in the swamp. Got it. I mean, I'm just following up with what you said. Got it. Got it. When it comes when he comes out of the mountains. I don't think there's mountains in the Ozarks either. I've um, the Ozarks is in Missouri. Oh, there's got to be some hills. <laughs> Oh, this is not a geography podcast, yes. thank goodness. Oh my god. I'm feral. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm that, definitely that, feral. That you ever come to my place? <laughs> Got my fridge in the garage. Feral. Usually they're 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 wild. They you kinda have to be careful with them. Got it. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I need some food. We'll go in the fridge. Where is it? It's in the garage, of course. <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking to yourself when you walk in the house? <laughs> oh.